Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Pastor Jim's desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application to our daily lives. While the Bible often works hard to get us to rest in the Lord, it does not ignore the problems and responsibilities of life. However, the way it does this is typically not like we humans do. We tend to look at the Lord in light of our problems, while the Lord wants us to look at our problems in light of Him. In Psalm 23, David wants us to see that while we do have responsibilities to Jesus in life, we are better off living out of seeing how Jesus has taken responsibility for us. That will lead us to a greater confidence in Him. To learn more, let's join Pastor Jim in part one of his message, Jesus the Good Shepherd. Psalm 23, a psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And this is God's word. Well, Psalm 23 paints a beautiful picture of life, uh, sort of a calming at the beginning, not so much so so towards the end, a calming picture of a shepherd uh, caring for his sheep, although he cares for his sheep throughout the psalm. You know, I actually felt it this past Sunday. I came home from church, and this past Sunday was not the easiest of messages to give, and I sat in a chair in my backyard. Pam said, why don't you just take a rest for a while, take a seat? I sat in a chair, and I put my head back, and the sun was in my face, There was a gentle breeze that was blowing. You know how the trees are, you can hear them blowing. And I was out. I fell asleep. I dozed off. And I guess I would say in that moment, uh, the Lord was my shepherd and I feared no evil. At that moment, life was completely safe for me. Uh, Then a a little bit later, uh, my beloved Pam came out with a really good sandwich. She makes good sandwiches. I don't make good sandwiches. And a cup of tea. I guess she wanted me to wake up. But she brought me a sandwich and a cup of tea. And so the Lord was my shepherd. But at that moment, I shall not want. I had everything I could possibly want. A beautiful day, uh, something to eat, some tea, and my beautiful wife sitting in the seat uh, next to me. It was a momentary break from what we might call the uncertainty and and the problems of life. And though that uncertainty and those problems, we all all know that they can easily leave us uh, discouraged and overwhelmed. And for some of us, sometimes uh, we can be paralyzed and not even know what to do. Psalm 23, I think, is one of those psalms that has the effect of bringing us back to sort of like that childlike place. You know how I think of a lot of things in my childhood that were seemingly carefree. And and so maybe even a place of childlike faith, yet Psalm 23 does it without ignoring the realities and the heartbreak of life. Why, Why is it? I think because 
it does something. Psalm 23 does something for us, like most of the Bible does, if we're looking out for it, that is actually the best for us. And a lot of people who read the Bible, and I would even say a lot of people who teach the Bible, don't do this, what the Bible does. You say, what is that? Well, Psalm 23 keeps our eyes focused on what is the title of our message tonight, Jesus, the Good Shepherd. And it keeps our eyes on the, the Good Shepherd, God himself, instead of our eyes just on ourselves and our problems. Or you could say, particularly as you get to the end of the psalm, that it is keeping our eyes on Jesus with us in the midst of our problems. So we can be on the lookout, very important thing in the Christian life, to be on the lookout for what God is doing in the midst of what's going on and what we in our lives and what we are doing. In other words, I think that Psalm 23 makes us think less of our responsibility to Jesus. Now, there are responsibilities to Jesus. We'll talk a little bit about some of that on Sunday. But a lot of people live with that low-level guilt of, I'm not doing enough for God. Like, God must be so incredibly disappointed with me. Like, heaven is disrupted because I'm not doing enough for God. And Psalm 23 takes our eyes really off of what we're doing for God and puts us onto, yes, what Jesus is doing for us, but I would say even more than that, that Jesus is responsible for us, that we are in his care. Now, I believe with all of my heart, and I realize that I'm in the minority, that what we do for Jesus is not the most important thing in our lives. I believe it is more important and it is faith-sustaining what Jesus is to us. Let me say that again. I'm not saying that's everything, but more important than what we do for Jesus is the way we think about, and it actually builds our faith, is what Jesus is to us, clearly seeing that Jesus is responsible for us, and it is Jesus who keeps us. Does that mean we run away from Jesus? No, we don't run away from the good shepherd, but we want to keep our eyes on Jesus. Very, very important. The more we focus on Jesus instead of ourselves, and if you don't know this yet, I'm maybe going to tell you something that deep down you know, but maybe you hearing someone actually put it into words. Living a life completely focused on yourself or mostly focused on yourself is an absolute prison. It is a terrible way to live, the, the, it, the, and, and it will make it hard to trust Jesus and to let him lead you. But if you focus on Jesus instead of yourself, and I do the same thing, it will be easier for us to trust him and easier for him to lead us. But that's not leading us in our ways. That's leading us in his ways. And then our part then is to follow and not resist. And here's where it gets easier. Some of you say, that's super hard, Pastor Jim. Here's where it gets easier. If your eyes are focused on Jesus, 
it will be easier to resist. If your eyes are focused on yourself, it will be very, very hard to resist wanting to go your own way. So this is the uh, fourth and, and final uh, part uh, that we're doing here in in Psalm 23 message, and it was written by King David uh, about a thousand years before Jesus Christ was born. In part one, we looked at verses one through three. We call that study the shepherd and his people. In part two, we looked at verse four only, the shepherd who is with his people. In part three, we looked at verse five and six, the shepherd who pursues his people. In those studies, we focused more on David the shepherd and and his shepherd, or David the shepherd. Remember, David was born a shepherd, but he was also the king, and the kings were thought to be the shepherds of Israel. But here, the shepherd of Israel, the shepherd boy, is telling us, hey, I think of myself just as another one of God's sheep, tells you something about his humility, and he says, actually, the more I thought about shepherding, I realized the Lord is my shepherd. Must have been a great moment out in the fields when he realized that. But what we're going to do is we're going to stick with Psalm 23, but at the same time, we're going to fast forward a thousand years into the life of Jesus where we see how David seemingly unknowingly, we don't know what the prophets knew and did not know about how they were writing, but he seemed to also be writing of the Messiah who was to come the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we said earlier, it's easier to, in a first study, it's important to remember that for a thousand years, the people of God viewed this psalm very, very differently because they didn't know about Jesus. They were looking forward to the Messiah, yes, but they didn't have the specific information that we have. So are we at an advantage? Absolutely, yes. But looking back to David's time, looking back to a thousand years after that to Jesus's time, looking into our time, and then looking off into the future, we're gonna find extremely faith building. So Psalm 23, a Psalm of David, verse one, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Well, what does the good shepherd do? Verse two, he makes me lie down in green pastures, so that would be pasture, grass, food, makes me lie down, rest, food and rest. He leads me beside the still waters. He takes me to a place sheep could drown easily where I won't drown. He takes me to a place to drink and to be refreshed. Now, when we come to the New Testament in John chapter 10, Jesus refers to himself as the good shepherd. Now, some of us see the pictures of Jesus with the little lamb or Jesus walking, and we think that's all nice and stuff like that. The religious leaders were not too happy with that. Why? Because they knew that the shepherds of Israel, they, they hadn't had kings on the throne in a while, although they still had the family line of the kings of which Jesus was part of, but they knew that the kings were called the shepherds of Israel. They did not like the fact that Jesus was calling himself, okay, the good shepherd. They also knew that the Bible writers in the Old Testament referred to, sometimes referred to God himself as the shepherd of Israel. So when he comes along and says to everybody, hey, I'm the good shepherd, 
they know exactly what he's saying. They're like, he's saying he's the king. He's saying that he's God. Also in that same chapter, chapter uh, John chapter 10, verse nine, Jesus said, I am the door. If some versions say the gate, if anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. So clearly Jesus is claiming to be the door to God's pasture. He said it, you can go, you'll be saved, you'll go in and out and you'll find pasture. Clearly Jesus is saying he is the only way to be saved and to make it and reach eternal rest with God. This infuriated the religious leaders and it's why Jesus told the apostles in Matthew chapter 17 at the Mount of Transfiguration when they saw him glorified and they wanted to build Mount Rushmore there. They wanted to have a statue for Jesus, Moses, and Elijah. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. Don't tell anybody about this stuff until I rise from the dead. Jesus was well aware of the rest that all people need. He makes me lie down. He leads me beside still waters. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, Jesus says, come to me, all of you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Now let's bring that into today. How applicable is that to all of us in our day of exhaustion? I cannot believe how many people know, are telling me that they are exhausted. Even people under lockdown who haven't been going out of the house say, I can't understand it. I'm absolutely exhausted. It's brain fatigue. It's brain fatigue. How many people are feeling a sense of helplessness and despair? How many people are feeling a sense of numbness and a sense of anxiety? And Jesus comes along and says, come to me, all of you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Now, Jesus' ability to uh, feed his flock and actually those not even of his flock is clearly seen in Jesus feeding the multitudes. I'm going to take some passages out of Mark chapter 6. Uh, Mark chapter 6, verse 31, it says, and he said to them, talking to his followers as the apostles, come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going. There was a lot of busyness. There was a lot of work going on, a lot of fatigue. And, and, said, and said, and they did not even have time to eat. And when you're ministering to people, sometimes that's just the way it goes. Sometimes I go home and Pam is like, you're, you're inhaling your dinner. Slow down. And I'm like, you know, I don't even think I ate since five o'clock this morning. And she's like, you got to eat. And I was just... I was just so busy. I didn't even have time to stop and eat. Uh, Mark chapter six, verse 34, and it said, and Jesus, when he came out, when he, when he was getting the disciples away, they got into a boat and, and it said, they saw a great multitude and he was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep having no shepherd. He knew the people needed a shepherd. He knew they needed guidance, but he felt bad for them. He was filled with compassion. That word, it really has to do with his bowels inside. He was like, oh, look at them. They don't have a shepherd. So what did he do? 
Mark tells us, so he began to teach them many things. Isn't it interesting? Luke tells us he began to teach them the things of the kingdom of God. So the feeding of the sheep, the feeding of the people without a shepherd begins not with the food, but begins with the word of God. And that's how Jesus began to feed them. Now, Mark tells us that there were about 5,000 men there. And Mark's gospel was largely, we believe, dictated to him by the apostle Peter. He told us there was about 5,000 men there, plus women and children. And all they had to do to feed, all they had to feed everybody was five loaves of bread and, and two fish. But it wasn't like, you know, a big 15-foot hoagie sub and, you know, a couple big things that they caught. Probably uh, a kid's lunch or something like that, a happy meal, if you will. And that's all they really had. Mark 6.39 says, Then he, Jesus, commanded them to make them all sit down in groups on the green grass. You know, that reminds me of something. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Just like David said of his shepherd, here Jesus, the great shepherd, the good shepherd, made the people lie down in the green grass. Mark chapter six, verse 42. Uh, so it said, so they all ate and were filled. Reminds us of what was said about Moses. Reminds me also of what David said, Psalm 23, verse one, the most famous line of this Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. They were full. Jesus had given them so much and they were satisfied. David says at the end of verse two, he, he leads me beside the still waters. In John chapter four, Jesus met a, a Samaritan woman at a well. They would go out to get the water uh, at the well. And, and due to the racism that existed in Israel that, that went all the way back to the problems that they had when they would get invaded and they would bring in foreigners or people from the outside, if you will, that's what they called them, and, and being people from the outside into the land and they would, and they would mix in with the uh, people who were Israelites and that group became known as the Samaritans. And you know they seemed like they wanted to follow God as much as anybody else, to be honest. Not all, but of course. But, but Due to the racism in Israel, John 4 tells us that the Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. Plus, uh, we also know that this woman had a reputation. She was known to be seen around a lot of different men. And she was shocked that Jesus would talk to her. First off, usually the rabbis didn't talk to women and they called Jesus rabbi because he was a teacher and she was a Samaritan. So she was very, very shocked and she was there for ordinary water and Jesus told her about living water. And she asked, where do I get this? John 4, 13 and 14, it says, Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, meaning in the well, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. He leads me beside still waters. I love her answer. I love it. She goes, where do I get this water? <laughs> I mean, instead of like, you know, I'm not religious or anything like that. She wants to know, where do I get this living water? 
John chapter 7, uh, verse 37 through 39, it says, On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let me stop right there, friend, do you thirst? I don't, I don't mean do you need to get something to drink. Is your, is your soul going kind of like, is it thirsty for God? Does it, does it want some of that living water? Are you like that Samaritan woman and you're like, hey, listen, I, I maybe I'm not the kind of good church person or something like that, but if you're willing to offer that to anyone, you're willing to offer that to her, certainly there must be some for me. And Jesus said, and he said, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Then John gives us some commentary to help us figure it out. He says, but this he spoke concerning the spirit, the Holy Spirit, whom those believing in him. By the way, if you don't have the Holy Spirit inside of you, you actually can't go to heaven. It's sort of like having a spacesuit. You need to have a spacesuit to be on the moon. You need the Holy Spirit living in you to go to heaven. But this he spoke concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. So David points to us when he says here in verse one and two, he points to the all sufficient shepherd and Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of that. He cares for the flock all the way on into eternity. And true contentment, David would tell us, many of the great saints of the Bible will tell us, uh, many of you know this, that true contentment and security is, is found in being able to say that Jesus is my shepherd and. Jesus is my shepherd and he leads me. This is what Jesus is for his people. He is the shepherd who leads his sheep. The challenge for you and for me is actually to experience it. And one of the things I see with people who are having trouble experiencing it is they need to change their thinking because there's a journey to get to saying he's my shepherd and he leads me. So there's a journey to, to, the, to the my and the me. What is the journey? What is the, what is the quick route to get there? I believe with all my heart this is it. To realize that God, the great shepherd of heaven, stooped down to be our shepherd in the person of Jesus Christ to be able to call his people his flock. All you need to do is put your trust in the shepherd and begin to follow him. See, it's very important to realize that to be part of the flock, you and I have to willingly put ourselves under the shepherding care of the good shepherd. Let me say that again. Think about, a, think about sheep, think about a shepherd. And so if you and I want to be part of Jesus's flock, we have to be willing to put ourselves under the shepherding care of the good shepherd. Now, I'm just going to take a moment of, of transparent honesty for a second, and please don't think I'm talking about anyone in particular. One of the things I don't like about pastoring, and all my experience is only pastoring in an American church, 
in a busy, outside a busy metropolitan area, is that so many of the emails and texts that I get basically come down to this. Can you do this for me? Or can you get somebody to do this for me? But how much more glorious would it be? Stick with me. Don't get upset. How much more glorious would it be? How much more fulfilling and fruitful would it be for all of us? If it was, can you tell me how to come under the pastoral care of Jesus? Like, that's what I want to know. Uh, you know, I, I don't need this sent to me or I don't need this. I don't need you to go look for my, you know, for my pen in the, in the sanctuary or something like that. I, I want to know how can I come under the shepherding care of Jesus? Or how do I come to the place of rest? Thank you for spending the last half hour with Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Changed by Love is designed to help you deepen your relationship with Christ no matter where you are in your journey. Teaming with Changed by Love financially makes it possible to reach thousands, many more than you and I could reach on our own. We are stronger together than we could ever be apart. Please consider a generous gift today. Give safely and securely online at changedbyloveradio.org. You'll find our address there, too, if you'd rather send a check. You can always reach us by phone at 862-217-9686. It takes a team to encourage thousands. You and Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney. changedbyloveradio.org.